This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Zoran Stammer. He's the CEO and co-founder of Core Media and the recipient of the German Fairness Prize of 2009. He's also, he's also co-editor of Enterprise 2.0, The Art of Letting Go. He's married and a father of four. Zoran, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, you, ha- you have your hands in everything. Family life, book deals, software. Tell us about Core Media. What do you do and how do you make money? So Comedia does, um, actually we help uh, brands to create uh, online flagship stores. So they take their existing online stores and we turn them into flagship stores that integrate the brand experience and the shopping experience. Flagship store? Yeah, and the, way the idea is uh, nowadays when you go to any bigger city, the stores you see in the main road are the iconic stores. Like there's an apple.com, there's an apple store. Right? It's not basically just Best Buy. Apple basically figured out that it's much better to have the direct relationship to the customer. And the same happens online. So when you look at Apple.com, it is an iconic store. And it's not basically just the brand side and you have a store at Apple.com like in 2013. So what brands these days need is they need an integrated brand side plus online store. And we call that an, an uh, online flagship store. Got it. So you're helping folks create that online flagship store. It's, you're making it more robust from a technology perspective, and it presents better to consumers to really create a brand feeling. Yeah, you need to be iconic, right? You can't look like the same as any other brand. And especially our, our customers in the luxury and fashion industry, they want to create these iconic uh, experiences because they want to sell you something on your mobile phone that costs 20,000 euros. So $20,000 deal on a phone to create that need that you want to buy it it has to be a flawless experience and it can't look like any other store. So it has to be, you know, the, the brand itself that you feel. And that's what we do. So we work with uh, uh, brands like um, Salvatore Ferragamo um, or brands like Yuxnet uh, Poté that run. I think they are the global market leader for uh, luxury brands online. So they run 40 different uh, uh, brand stores for Armani, Valentino, Diesel, and many others. Um, and they also run Net-a-Porter, Ukes, and, and some other of these big online retail destinations where you can buy uh, more than a million luxury products. And um, we learned a lot from those guys. The truth is, we believe that that is relevant for all the other B2B brands and retailers as well. And Zorn, give me more of the backstory here. First off, business model. How do you make money? Is it a pure SaaS play or what? Yeah, we have a SaaS play, but we also see that the high end, they want to have more control over the technology. So we also enable them to run it in their own private cloud. So you do like an on-prem installation? We can provide that, yeah. So they, they get the Docker images and they can run them in their own environment. Okay. What percentage of your total revenue would you say is a pure play SaaS model? Um, on the cloud, um, right now, maybe 10%. So we're oh, just okay. moving there. 
So the big ones, they are, we're hesitant. That's changing actually the last uh, 12 months. So we see more momentum to, to move to the cloud. So explain that more to me. The 90% that's not SaaS, how are they paying currently? They're on annual like site, like maintenance contract kind of things with SLAs? They are on contracts. Yeah, usually term-based contracts is like the standard uh, model now. Um, they pay a fee for usually uh, a year, little fee. Deals usually are signed up for three years because they they really invest in this platform, so they don't want uh, you know the price to go up quickly, and we want them to be committed as well. So uh, a yearly fee that is based on the uh, the performance of their site. Like okay. how many brands, how many countries. So quite a few of the brands have something like uh, 140 different countries at their address, and like 20 to 80 different uh, languages. And on average, just so we can get a sense of size, I mean, are we talking brands paying you on average 100 grand a month or 100 grand a year or 10 million a year? Generally, where are you falling in terms of average price point? Yeah, the, the lowest point is above 100,000 a year. Okay. Um, but we have customers with more than a million. Okay. So would you say a fair average is something like 500 or 600? Yeah, it's more like 450 to 500, yeah. Annually? Yeah. Okay. Now, give me more of the backstory. This is the fun part. When did you launch the company and, and why? So that's the funny part. Yeah, we launched the company in 1996. 96? So that was the yes. year I was born, Zoran. Well, that was no. the year I basically was still in, in college. I'm um, just kidding. I was 89. But still, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we we ran the basically the, were the first ones here to to you know say hey we can do content management. Uh, it was the old days. Netscape was there and stuff. Um, but we were very German. We were very small. We bootstrapped the company. We didn't put much venture capital. Are you in. still bootstrapped? Um, no, we had the first financing in two thousand, in April two thousand, right after the big bubble was like you know the. the that's an impressive the, time think, to raise, considering everything yes, just crashed. Yes, was great. It was uh, it was I think thirty times revenue of the next fiscal year that we projected was the valuation, and we didn't have any strings attached, so there was no contract. We just basically got the money, and here are the shares. That's it. So did you get it before everything crashed? Yeah, we actually 2000, 2001, 2002, we were our best years, but the growth rate 120, 100, 150%. So like what were you at what were you at scale wise in 2000? Like are you talking like 10 million a year or where were you at? So we were at that point like like 2 million a year and uh, uh, we grew it like pretty quickly to 6 million in the next years. Okay. Um, then 2003 was tough for us because with our customers at that point in time were the big telco companies like Vodafone in Europe and uh, SoftBank, Japan, T-Mobile. And they had to cut down costs because of the um, they had cost cuts because of the UMTS licenses. Uh-huh. So the 3G licenses were so expensive that they started to, to cut costs. So 2003 was our tough year. Maybe then flat. Then we basically, we were still growing with 20%. Okay. At some point in time, we were too late for the U.S., you know, because we didn't have the venture capital to basically enter the U.S. early. And the U.S. is the biggest market. We saw the people coming from the U.S. to Europe, but we were not uh, equipped with the money to do the code there. So we looked for a new attitude, new way to approach the U.S. market. And what we figured out was that was in the last three years that commerce, e-commerce sites is the way to go. So we have a very powerful content management platform, but the e-commerce platforms from IBM, Salesforce, and SAP, they are pretty bad at uh, experience management. So they basically give you the transactional capabilities to sell stuff and pay for it, but they really don't look good. Oh, and it's a horrible. That's it, where it, they, look, they look like you know some guy that's been sleeping for eight days and wakes up disheveled and tries to go to the Oscars. He doesn't fit in. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the brands were the first ones to say, the luxury brands, no, we can't do this. So there's not a single bit that we're, from your platform will show to, us, to, to yeah. our customers. Now, the other end we of that is the, like these luxury that. guys create these really complicated flash sites, which don't actually work anywhere. And they never, so you're kind of a nice blend of, the, of both of them. Yes, this happens now. The basis that the brand side started, hey, well, the marketing people have this nice side and the commerce people have this transactional side. Functional, but we want yeah. to have an integrated one. <laughs> it's kind of like one of our clients. They have 100 million uh, visitors on their brand sites, but only 20 million make it to the store. So why do you leave 80 million just walking by your store window and they're never coming into the store? Yeah. And we help them to get all the 100 million into the store and make it very seamless to, to buy something. That's very cool. So continue the revenue story there. What were you able to scale to with this additional e-commerce play, say, in 2010? So the the no, the e-commerce play came later. Right? In between, we had a DRM play, actually. We were the global market leader for mobile DRM mm. uh, that was... 2006 to then um, the DRM uh, the the commerce play was the last three years okay so so, are, so what do you what do you, what are you at generally today then we are now uh, above 20 million uh, in, okay. in dollars we are um, ARR is uh, above 10 and we're growing with like uh, around about 20 25 percent ARR growth a year that's that's great so so sorry you said ARR was about 10 million of the 20 million in total revenue right Above ten, yeah. This year, okay. And you said you're scaling about twenty five percent year over year. So AR, you know, twelve months ago was somewhere around what seven, seven and a half. Yeah, about eight and a half. Eight and a half. Interesting. Is that your fastest growing revenue stream? It is. Yep. Interesting. And is most of that coming from converting kind of old, you know, folks to cloud, or are you going and getting new customers? It's both, actually. We, we were surprised that basically existing customers who had a perpetual license in the past, that we got them to do recurring revenue. And they paid more for the same technology before because we brought them to the cloud. So this flexibility is something that people value. Um, Interesting. Our, our churn rate is basically net negative for revenue. So it's kind how, of like how negative? Uh, we basically, um, with the, the former customers, was like minus 8%. Oh. So we grow our revenue base with the existing customers. That's that I mean that's impressive, right? So the expansion you drive on your current base makes up by more than eight percent the lost revenue from all your customers. Right. And we have a very low churn anyway, basically even in, in absolute numbers. What's your logo so with, yeah, give, what's your absolute churn, your logo churn annually? Yeah, that was like around three uh, percent. Now it's like a little more than five because wow. we had some technology being phased out by one of our partners from SAP. So, but but the people who use our platform, it's very rare that they leave us. Yep. They like what we have. Yep. And it, now it sounds like though, and this is significant when you look at your revenue streams. There's a portion that sounds like it's maybe professional services or setup, which leads me to believe that there's a lot of setup. There's a lot of onboarding costs. I'd be interested to hear about your team size and what your team does. But I imagine once you get them locked in. They're locked in. They paid the upfront fee. They're using it. Yeah. Money's coming through, right? Exactly. Because they, what they realize is the big brands, they have the commerce platforms. But what is even more important now is to get the content. The content is hard because you have it globally. You have different languages, like up to 80 languages that you have to provide. And you want to be uh, you know, consistent over all the different channels. You want the print channel, the online ads, the outdoor ads. Everything has to be consistent. has to be fresh. And that's harder and harder because you have more and more channels that you want to address. So the customers that use our platform, they, they kind of like um, innovate with it doing new things they haven't planned in the first place. So it becomes like an integral part of the infrastructure to basically be able to innovate quick, quickly. And that's also the, the reason why we as a small company basically are, are succeeding. How many team members open. do you have, Zoran? Pardon? How many are on your team? 
like 170. Okay, 100. Okay, so small, but not really small. Yeah, but still small, kind of compared with Adobe and the big ones. Yeah. Uh, but we we basically are the agile ones that help customers to be very agile and to create new stuff. So innovators love us, and the people who are in the high end who have basically very very precise requirements. It has to be unique. It has to be iconic. They love us too. So, but then you know the German government is our customers. They basically they build huge uh, infrastructures to do all this digital, you know, like stuff for for um, voters and for the German army. So it's not that this is just relevant for brands. The truth is, long term, I believe every company has to communicate more and need better understanding of content and the ability to communicate in different channels, different countries, different languages, different devices. So it's a very generic topic that will be bigger and bigger in the long run. So 96 to 2000, you bootstrap, you do your first fundraise in that general time frame. What do you have to say in terms of total funding? Uh, less than 10 million. Well, okay, less than, that's good. Okay, so you're still, I mean, you're still running pretty efficient. Are you a cash flow positive at this point or no? Um, yeah, we, we financed since 2001. We basically financed ourselves, yeah. Well, how, well, hold on. Explain to me how that works. So if you raise a bunch of capital, unless that money is all sitting in the bank, you had to have some years where you were cash flow negative. Yeah, the 2000, 2001, 2002. And then uh, from then on, we were pretty much positive. Okay. There were some crises in between, you know. And um, right now, with the switch of the, of the model to recurring revenue, we had a dip. But uh, overall, it's kind of like a pretty solid yeah. self-financed business. Well, you've pivoted a bunch too, uh, you know, as well. Why, why in those moments where you go to the DRP, to an e-commerce solution, why not, why did you make the decision to, to keep pivoting versus sell the thing to somebody else as it is and then launch a, a new company as a DRP or launch a new company as an e-commerce play? That's an interesting question because the e-commerce plays, there are so many, right? And we saw that, the value we bring to the table is we basically go to a customer and say, well, you have Salesforce, wonderful, just add our stuff and basically we leverage the Salesforce installations. We don't have to replace it. We don't have to rip and replace. Because like competing with Salesforce, IBM and SAP, that's a, a tough game. Yeah. But basically going on top of them, basically making their customers even happier, that's a very attractive one. Because we, well, we are the market leader. We have Luxottica, for example, the, the Oakley, Ray-Ban, all these different uh, glasses brands that we have. Uh, Office Depot. And so it's like a lot of different vendors who already had invested a lot in the company. Soren, do you sell sales data to PE firms as they're analyzing investing in some of these companies because they're public? No, no, we don't sell. Nothing at all. I imagine you've had that temptation before. No, we, we actually, I believe that basically the opposite is true. When you are, a come on, brand, Zoran, I am sure no, no. you've had, when you are a premium brand, you basically want to be the digital butler. You want to be the trusted partner. So I think there will be a big shift and Apple is playing this game well. They are the building trust, and now they want to give you know manage your health data, and I think that's the big one actually compared with Google and Facebook. So I think we will see high end brands who will be digital butlers, All right. completely trust, and if not, they will out of the game. We'll they see. Are, we'll see. Yeah. Last few questions here because we're out of time. How many customers are you at today? Like a hundred, hundred twenty, hundred twenty ish. Okay, and your team? Where are you guys all based? Uh, here in Hamburg, in the UK, in Washington, and San Francisco. Uh, okay, Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Okay, got it. And last few economics question. What are you spending to acquire a customer, fully weighted? Um, that's, I don't have the average number here, but it's uh, because of the big customers can be expensive, can be two-year sales, sales cycle. So we spend like 50000 can be. Yeah. Can, could be 50000 Yeah, with the big ones, but we have like, you know, proof of concepts. And partly they, they pay for it. 
That's not bad though, because you said your, your, your average ACV, you said earlier is about 500 grand a year, which is what is that 40 grand a month. So if you're spending 50 grand to acquire them, you're getting paid back in a, in a month or a month and a half. That's not bad. Yeah. This is part of this basically high end game, right? You have to invest a lot. Interesting. What, but, but a two month payback period is actually really good. Why not be more aggressive with CAC? Do you feel like you could be more aggressive and get more customers or no, there's nowhere you can spend more money? Yeah, that's a topic now with basically financing that we indeed uh, think about that. Basically, be much more aggressive now that we have a model that works and yeah. uh, protect the U.S. market with that. So we would need more money to be more aggressive in Asia and in the U.S. So how much are you raising right now? Uh, I can't disclose that. <laughs> you you are looking at it. You are you are absolutely looking at it though. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Uh, lifetime value. What do you assume lifetime value is for these folks? Yeah, we have like uh, long-term data, right? And we have companies that are with us for more than 10 years. And we, we don't see that the likelihood that they, they jump is, is going up because they invest more and more on the platform. So the lifetime value is, is enormous in, in some cases, like well, like more than, uh, than 10 million. How do you avoid lying to yourself? In other words, you look at these customers that have never left you and you go, wow, lifetime value is infinite, which means I can spend an infinite amount on acquiring them. That would obviously be a bad decision. How do you stay rational? Exactly. So we basically we plan with something like seven years. Okay. So because that's that's below the the values we have. Got it. So you plan for seven years at around a five hundred thousand dollar ACV. That's about three point five million in lifetime value conservatively. But you can look at your own sales history and see some people have paid you over ten million. Got it. Very interesting. All right, Zoran. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one. What's your favorite business book? Um, I think it's the nudist on the late shift. Sorry, what is it? The nudist on the late shift. The I nude- read that a long time ago. The nudist on the what? Silicon Valley. Yeah. The nudist on the late shift. On it's the late shift? Okay. Yeah, you should read it. It's good. Okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah, I think Elon Musk is basically defining our time. Right? Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Um, <laughs> for building a business, I thought about basically more like for uh, keeping sane. So I like, I like Kayak. For all the travel they have to do. Number four. Otherwise, um, I'm a big fan of Twitter. So okay. Number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, around about seven. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single? You have kids? I'm married, happily married with a nice American, and uh, have four kids. Four kids. All right. And uh, how old are you? I'm 47. All right, Zoran. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, that traveling the world is a good idea. Make it earlier, you know, and you're still free enough time and no kids to basically take care of there you guys have from zoran travel earlier he launched core media in 1996 can you believe that bootstrapped all the way up through 2000 had their best growth years when everyone else was crashing raised their first round of capital they've now raised about uh, or less than 10 million dollars they're serving 120 customers helping them create premium online shops much like you'd have an apple store in person they're helping you create that great experience online so that more people more of your website visitors quote unquote, enter that online shop. And obviously your conversion rate goes up from there. Annual contract value is around 500 grand. They did 2 million in 2000, up to 6 million in 2002, did 7.5 million in AR in 2016, scaled that to about 10 million, 12 months later today. Their revenue is actually double that though at about 20 million, about 50% of that revenue is recurring. The rest is uh, other solutions that are not cloud-based, but growing rapidly again with their team of 170 people between UK, Washington, DC, and San Francisco. Zoran, thank you for taking us to the top. Nathan, thanks. 